Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by Tote. Think you can't get better value? Think again. 10% bigger dividends when you bet direct with Tote Plus at tote.co.uk. With Ascot and Haydock to look forward to this weekend after, I have to say, another successful weekend's tipping on the Final Furlong Podcast last Thursday. It was winner after winner after winner. So Roy DeLarge bathing in gravy, I'm sure. Or maybe not. Not healthy, is it? <laughs> not healthy bathing in gravy. He used to wash in wine. I draw a line at ass's milk. <laughs> he used to bathe in wine in France. So, who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? Speaking of France, we'll chat about that a little bit later on. Uh, as one of two Groupon races takes place uh, for the weekend there. Uh, first of all, we're looking at the 310 at Ascot. The Lavazza. So we're going for coffee, steaks, heritage handicap. Uh, the betting is currently headed by uh, Warren for Sir Michael Stout and Ryan Moore, threes. Um, Alpha Hal, Roger Varian, Rory has his face in his hands, sixes. Chalkstream, William Haggis, who's been banging in the winners, sixes. And Champagne Piaf, well, that'll do. Uh, for Gary Moore, see Gary Moore back in action, sevens. Uh, Rory, your thoughts on the 310? Uh, I suspect that um, Warren will be the horse to beat here uh, for Sir Michael Stouts. Um, it's a slightly disappointing renewal of um, of this race, given we've always had double-figure fields mm. for in the past. Three-old handicaps, not always my idea of a good time, it has to be said. Um, but um, most of these have had plenty of chances this season. And, of course, and some of them are, are, are winning as well. Um, but um, the one who appears to be unexposed and progressive is um, is Warren. He's only had the um, the three tries and handicaps. He looked unlucky um, at the Ebor meeting last time when he was beaten less than two lengths at the fifth behind migration. Um, run out. He, he started slowly, which is normally a disaster at York. Um, came with a run on the straight and got stopped in his run twice um, under Kieran Schumark um, and with Ryan Moore taking over again I'm sure the um, I'm sure the public will pile into him his um, arguably his best uh, run came on, on Good Farm Crime in his previous start at Newmarket where he turned a, um, a admittedly uh, weakly contested handicap into a procession um, beating um, Mark Johnson's big kitten Song Crime and Gloucestershire um, that looks a, a half-decent piece of form. He won by five and a half lengths there um, off a, a steady enough gallop, which is very impressive, given he wasn't setting that either. You're up 10 pounds for it. That looks justified. And I suspect there's more to come from him. So although there are nice horses in here, I, I, the likes of um, uh, Chalkstream has gone up plenty in the handicap. Um, State of Bliss um, similarly has been in, in pretty good form, but it looks anchored off a mark of 92 now. Um, although probably not seen the best effect at York uh, last time out leading from a from a wide draw, but um, he was he was a bit disappointing there, um, having one hundred different tactics when Nicola Curry rode him at the Shergar Cup. That's probably a little bit flattering and um, uh, hardest. Uh, obviously, he's back back at over the same course and distance, so you can see him bouncing back, I suppose. Um, but he's got a bit to prove after um, after the way he checked out um, at York. He didn't go. 
I don't think he went hell for leather in the front end. So the fact that he dropped right out of that was a bit disappointing. So Warren looks the likeliest winner, but he's, he's not, he's probably not a horse I'm going to back because I don't think he'd be uh, much of a price. You've got the price in front of you there. You yeah. could surprise me. Threes is the best. Yeah. And threes is fair, I think. Uh, and there are plenty of horses with winning form and handicaps here and uh, horses who've, who've, who maybe eke out a little bit more improvement. But he's, he's the obvious one to, to take a step forward and very much caught behind his last two starts. So um find it hard to look beyond him, but I also find it hard to, to back some Michael side horses and handicaps because it's very rare that you um, you get a bigger price than you should. Very true. Uh, the possible exception being Royal Ascot, and even that these days isn't the way it used to be. Uh, I'm with him, by the way, I think, and, and I will back him. He'll be in my lucky 63 for the weekend. Um, I think he's going to take the world of beating. And yeah, he's is giving weight to some promising types like uh, Chalkstream, for example, who you mentioned, but I think Chalkstream might have found his ceiling now. Um, we'll see. Perhaps there is more to come from him, but uh, for Warren, I think that that race is there for the taking. And um, if you want to add him into your multiple, or your multiple on tote, or do the place pot, uh, for example, then uh, Warren is the one we're, we're recommending. Uh, the 345 at Ascot, Kerry's Foundation supporting the Lighthouse Club handicap. Um, uh, once again, the market is uh, playing friendly with me. Uh, via Serendipity for Charlie Fellows and Haley Turner's fives, having been well-backed. Uh, Cliffs of Capri, Jimmy Osborne and Dougie Costello, 13-2. Mystery Smiles, 15-2. Uh, Bashir for Charlie Hills and Dan O'Neill is eights. With documenting for Kevin Frost and Trevor Whelan uh, being an eight-to-one shot. Um, thoughts, sir? Uh, I'm having a quick glance down the um, the better myself to see if anything, anything absolutely jumps out. Top Secret um, looks a reasonable price. Uh, to me in this. Um, he's about 14, 16 to 1 chance. Yep. Uh, for a horse who's, um, of course, a distance winner. Oh, it's gone. Eight. Eight to 1. Top secret. Dang it. <laughs> I did nothing. I promise you. Um, so would that kill your interest? Where, you get, where are you seeing your prices? Well, I'm seeing my prices on... One of the I'm still saying sixteen to one in two places. Mm. Fourteen in another. This good end. Are you looking at Andy, you're looking at the old sir? How did you get Andy Post prices again? <laughs> 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 no, I'm looking at best prices. Uh hold on. Who did you have down as a, who did you have down as favourite for this? I had down as favourite for this uh via serendipity. Give me a good turn at the track last season uh, via serendipity. But, yes, um, yes. Uh, uh, but he's up four points for winning last time out. It's like a surprise to see him as um, uh, as favourite, but I think he's handicapped to the um, pretty much handicapped to the hilt again um, after that narrow win last time out. Yeah, he's still favourite. Uh, and top secret is a top price of a top price of nines, but generally is actually shorter. 
Eights, 13 to two, and sixes. I, I'm seeing completely different prices to you here. Take that, Delargy. That's, that's odds checker and racing post. Well, on odds checker, the serendipity is the serendipity is eleven to one in a place. What the? What are you doing? <laughs> Have you refreshed the page? It might be me looking at. I did it, Andy. Post prices. <laughs> Or a change. Uh, right. Let's do this again. See if they've moved the race onto the day of race. Markets. Ah, it's a funny old market, isn't it? Right. Via Serendipity. What's the top price, Rory? Five to one, Emmett. <laughs> there you go. Right. I wondered about Ripoff. Well, he's he'd been off the course for a long time. Um, before reappearing the other day at Sandown. Um, and he was well beaten there, although you'd expect that anyway. Mm. I would have thought that would have been a, a risk to put him spot on for this. Um, and he'd be much more interested here than he was at Sandown. Johnny Pete, a very interesting jockey booking as well for David Ellsworth. Yeah. Um, he's a, he's a seven-pound claimer uh, who's impressed at times um, this season. Um Listen, if he's back to his best, he goes close. But when you're a seven-year-old and you've been off the track for for a run for the best part of two years, you have to wonder what um, what level of ability remains. Because you'd expect most seven-year-old flat handicappers um, to be on the downgrade a little bit. So he needs to prove that he's um, uh, he's got most of that old ability. Well, the handicappers immediately dropping three pounds um, for um, for finishing well behind it. At sand time, but you know, in a race that wasn't run particularly fast, he was beaten sixteen lengths, and I might be asking a bit of him to uh, to bounce back. Clearly, David Ellsworth will, will have had this race in mind, but it'll be a very, very good piece of training if he gets um, a rip off back to where he was. Um, documenting's um, pretty obvious here in that he won the race last season, um, and he would bounce back to form after a couple of. Bad runs this year. I uh, won a close third to Motowajid at uh, Donny last time. Um, that suggests that he's um, he's ready to go close again, and he's probably, again, given he's only had um, uh, three turf runs all season, the chances are they've been kind of working back from this race. Trevor Whelan back on board again. It's been hugely unfancy. The first two starts at this track this season, he's gone off at um, uh, eighty to one both times. Um, that being the Buckingham Palace handicap, and then the uh, international stakes. So there's you know, two of the of the big uh, seven bottom handicaps run here all season. Um, very little chance on those, but he he, he ran an awful lot better um, last time out. He wasn't entirely disgraced in the international race. He finished you know midfield there, but beaten seven and a half lengths. But I can see him doing better. I just thought Top Secret was was um, uh, was the kind of horse who's, who who um, you know, is guaranteed to run well. As I said, course and distance winner, he's ten pounds higher, but he was progressive last season. And after needing his his um, his first couple of runs this season, um, he's he's gone on really nicely um, since that. As I said, one here uh, in July. Um, I actually nabbed him on his return at a at a price, um, and he's been runner up both times since. I only beaten a, a nose by Nini's choice. Um, last time out coming from a less than ideal position in the race that didn't really uh, pan out to suit his tactics. 
but seven furlong um, races at Alaska um, will always play to, to the strengths of, of horses like him with that sort of style of running, whether, whether they go on well at the finish from midfield. Um, Newbury sometimes pans out that way. It didn't last time, um, but he would have got up on another stride. Um, and that was a decent race. The, the, the winner of their Nini's choice uh, was an unexposed three-year-old who'd won his previous start. Um, and uh, the, um, you know, there are plenty of, of solid enough performers behind. Slightly lesser race than this. There's only a not to 85 handicap. Um, this is um, uh, this is not to a hundred, isn't it? Or not to hundred, not to hundred, not hundred and five. Either way, it, it's it's essentially not to hundred because documenting is, is top weighted with uh, with the real one hundred and one. Um, so Top Secret clearly needs to improve to be winning at this sort of level, but he's improved with his last three starts. I think he's liable to do so again. And Nicola Curry, as she's shown throughout this season, is certainly no negative on board. So oh, he'd be the pick for me. Big time. Okay. Uh, so top secret for Roy Delargy. Um <clears throat> I'll give a honourable mention to Silver Samurai for uh, Marco Body, um, having been having been talked off, rip off. So we'll go there. You can have you can rip off if you like, and just I, I will, no. I think you make a good point. You know, I have I to David Ellsworth. You know, he's he's a horse I've liked an awful lot. Rip off, but you know, he was he was. Um, a young horseman running so well in races here, and his record at Ascot is tremendous. Yeah, that's the, um, that was one of know, the reasons I was interested in. Almost him. always run well here, but it's it's just a question of we don't know how much ability he retains to the seven-year-old. Um, you have to say that statistically speaking, he's he's likely not to be quite the force of old. That might mean that he needs to drop in grade to to get back on the on the winning um, on the winning thread. But David Ellsworth has been an absolute genius over the years. He's he's. Um, He's getting on in years now, but um, he still has all the abilities, so I wouldn't put it past him to uh, um, to come up with another um, superb result. Yeah. But for me, I prefer to back a horse who's, who's in form and progressing this season. Yeah, no, I, I completely, uh, completely take your point. So it's Top Secret and uh, Silver Samurai um, for the exact time. Uh, with Tosh. Uh, we'll move on to Haydock, where um, most ties will be. Uh, the first race we're going to talk about is the one mile and six furlong Bedford Exchange Old Borough Handicap, uh, where, <laughs> where the betting is headed <laughs> by um, Global Storm, who is a top race fours, Noble Masquerade, fives. Uh, rhythmic Intent, Sevens and Eights, Rudzinski, Sevens, Autumn War, Tens, and Indianapolis uh, is a best price, 11 to 1. Rory, uh, competitive handicap, 12 runners. This is uh, almost like a feature of the weekend, 10 runners, 10 runners, 12 runners. Yeah, look, we, we're, we're losing horses and handicaps uh, from something that needs to be um, needs to be examined. I blame Kevin Blake myself. Um, sure, why not? Uh, but yeah, yeah, there's, there's not, not enough lot of thinking has been done about um, how things like the Sunday series, and particularly the racing league, um, are going to affect Saturday televised handicaps. Um, the, the racing league, particularly, 
basically has been set up as if somehow it's it's operating a different pool of horses. And it's not if you're putting on if you're putting on big money handicaps um, that aren't on terrestrial TV and they've been run midweek, um, and the prize money is better than it is for most handicaps and it's for horses in the not a ninety five bracket. You are going to be taking horses away from from these Saturday handicaps. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a no brainer, and um, you know, however successful you deem uh, a new venture like that to be, you've got to weigh that against what a, what negative effect it has on the rest of the program. Um, and what we're seeing at the moment is that these big Saturday handicaps, which used to be you know sixteen, seventeen, eighteen runner fields, are um, are being uh, decimated. And I use the word decimated in roughly its correct context. Worse than decimated. More than 10% of horses being lost from, from these high-end handicaps. Obviously, there's always going to be enough horses for, for the lower-grade races. And in a manner of speaking, you might as well make the racing league you know, open to not to 60 horses. Because um, if, if, if the concept is different, then it doesn't really matter what horses you've got running out if it's for a new audience. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a, a bit of a bugbear. Um, but it's something they can try to get sorted out for next season. We're recording on uh, Thursday, which is just ahead of the final night of the Racing League. How successful or lack thereof has it been in your eyes? Um, it's not been a complete disaster that some would paint it as. Uh, and the fact that people who don't want change don't like it is kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? Mm. Um, but um, the it's very hard to sell team racing, you know, because racing is not fundamentally a team sport. It is po- it's possible to sort of regionalize it or to have some kind of some kind of team that makes sense. But the idea of, of a team that you know that is that is the sponsor, especially when that sponsor doesn't even exist, yeah, that's kind of that's very hard to get behind. Are you a team Swish fan? I don't even know what that means. Um, but, you know, if it was if it was um, teams from different training centres, you know, a team from Epsom, a team from Lambourne, a team from Newmarket, a team from Midland, um, a team from Scotland, a team from Ireland, a team from Wales even. Uh, you know, and it'd be difficult to tie that up because you get different, you get different strengths um, within those areas. But the idea of having teams from training centres where people can identify with, with those centres makes, makes some sense. Um, team colours is always going to be a strange one as well, because you know people recognise horses through, um, you know people don't. If you if you took the tack off a horse, um, and you know showed it in front of the public and said, "Who's this?" Then um, most people wouldn't know a Group One winner based on you know here, here's this horse. It's it's not there's no jockey on board, no trainer with it. It's not it's not wearing its tack. It's just in a stable, and you've got to guess who it is. It's a nightmare. Yeah, most trainers couldn't do it, quite frankly. Um, so we recognise horses by, uh, you know, knowing who trains and knowing what, what uh, horses run that yard end up looking like, who rides it, and the colours that it runs in. Um, and when you take that away, um, you, you take away a little bit of the um, uh, of the connection that people have uh, with those horses. So some of the races, although they're good races. But you you immediately lose a little bit of the of the, uh, the tangible appeal of racing because they all feel like strangers because they're running in funny colours, um, 
And by definition, the commentary, the commentators are told to mention the teams at least as much as the horses, which gives you a very strange experience as well. Um, obviously, there's money coming in through it. Uh, and that's got to be a good thing. Any money, any money that, that's new that's coming into racing is positive. Um, but there is the potential for damaging um, the program as it stands. These essentially are extra races. Um, and we don't have the horse population to support a bunch of extra races and still have um, the strength in the races that we know. So regular punters or, or you know, um, those who watch TV racing only on terrestrial TV uh, are tuning in on a Saturday and they're getting, they're getting poorer racing as a result. So, you know, you, you, there is a degree to which you're robbing Peter to pay Paul and that might make Paul happy, but it's pissing Peter off. So there has to be um, there has to be a common ground. Whether those whether the races in the in the um, I mean whether the races in the in the series have to be worth the money they are in the first place, I don't know. I mean, what you need is for those races to fill and for the team concept to to um, to be robust. Again, the, the, there's the other element of betting on it. You've got the you've got the possibility of, of betting on leading jockey and leading stable and stuff like that there. But if they change the rules halfway through, then no one's no one's going to want to bet the competition where the rules change and the bets are, are potentially void. Because you know you, you have rules saying that each team has to have X number of horses and X number of jockeys, um, and that they will run X number of horses will run in each race. If those things don't happen. Um, then, as a betting medium, that that falls apart. Um, particularly when you're when you're betting on a points-based system, so you have to have obviously as the Sugar Cup does, you have reserves so that the right number of horses run in the races. And these races weren't always filling, so you need to work out. You need to fill the races. You need to make sure the jockeys you have on board are riding. For me, I don't think it matters whether you get the top jockeys. I don't think it matters whether you get the top horses. I think it would work better if you had trainers who were really up for it. And if you were boosting the prize money for ordinary races so that you were guaranteed the jockeys that are that are listed for the teams running, you knew which horses were going to run uh, and all those races were always filling and it wasn't having a detrimental effect on other races in the um, in the programme. Um, whether, whether, you know, given it's, it's, it's a Sky Sports thing, whether they have to be 90 rated horses, and obviously these, a lot of them haven't been, a lot of them have been rated a lot lower by by definition, um, or you know, with the number of horses who are who are engaged in it, so horses with much lower handicap are actually able to get into the the handicaps, which is good as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't think they need to be worth the races need to be worth fortunes. I think the prize money has to be good enough that people will want to run there rather than running somewhere else. But there are plenty of races where the horse population um, is greater than the the new, the, um, the options available. Yeah. You know, horses are getting balloted out of races. Th those are races where you can you can put extras on, um, but where you know the horse. I mean, it's not difficult to do if you've got the numbers. If you know what the ratings of horses are and, and what trips they're running over and who trains what, you can work out where you have an excess horse population, where you have a uh, where you have a lack, um, and you need to work on those numbers. Um, do your, your research a long time in advance. Ask all the, the pertinent questions about what could go wrong and how you can fix it. And then go back and do that. Um, you can't just do it as a big marketing exercise. Um, and I think this is, you know, the, the people behind it have probably got more flack than they deserve. 
there's a lot of work that has gone into it. Agreed. But there's also lots of things that you couldn't possibly have um, envisaged beforehand that have cropped up, which will be learning experiences for next year. Um, but we need to make sure that we're protecting the um, uh, the high class um, flap road and the heritage handicaps, um, and then they're not they're not um, badly affected by um, by a series which is meant to stand alone. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see what changes are made for for next season or what is said about it once it wraps, because right now it looks as though Ireland are going to finish last. Ugh. God, um, I'm on Talksport tomorrow, so we'll, I'm sure we'll be discussing it. And um, there's several different arguments that you can have, but I I would largely agree with everything you've you've said. I think there's very little that can be disagree- disagreed with there. And um, yeah, it it also we've had several emails and messages to. Uh, the, the final forum podcast asking why are the handicaps so bad on, on weekends now why are there a lack of runners Roy summed it up here so um, look we'll we'll see we'll see how all of this develops anyway the 255 at Haydock with the um, lesser number of horses than we would normally see uh, what are your thoughts uh, this is the the old Borough Cup mm. um I don't think there's an absolute standout in this race. I'm, I'd be again looking for um, uh, looking for a bit of value in the contest, um, which means that I probably should get updated prices, shouldn't I? <laughs> do you want me to do that uh, for you? <laughs> I've, I've got them in front of me now. Um, the horse that I that I quite like, who's I think has to be a big price because he keeps getting beat. Um, 20 is his best price at the moment. I, I'd like to see slightly bigger than that, but um, I know I take that bite, not even the right bleeding horse. 12 to 1 is the best I can get about it. Um, I was interested in, in Island Brave, um, although I probably want to get a bit bigger than 12s. Uh, again, you're looking at uh, reasonably significant overrides there. As I said, there's nothing, there's nothing, um, uh, lurking here particularly most of these are exposed handicappers um who are, and i said the majority of them are you know above their ideal marks um so it's a case of, of you know finding who's going to get everything dropping right for them on the day um and uh, i thought that um i thought there was a chance that island brave would be overpriced and he's a seven-year-old he's been around a fair bit He's been running with credit all season um, in handicaps. He, he was out of his depth, really, in the Cigarro Sticks um, uh, back in April. But um, uh, he's, he's run well in, in big handicaps since then. He was, he was uh, fourth in, in the Northumberland Plates. Um, I think actually, uh, he, was, he was then... Um, uh, again, ran a similar race, being a similar distance in the, the Sherbrooke upstairs in his next start. Um, and most recently, he's run again to virtually identical level um, when um, uh, when a, a fairly close fifth of 14 behind Arcadian Sunrise um, at York's Ebor meeting last time out. Um, what I have noticed is that his trainer, Heather Main, who, um, who apparently sings opera, 
to our horses. That's our training regime. She doesn't gallop them, she just sings arias. Um, <laughs> she had a pretty poor start to the season, um, but the horses are beginning to run better now. Yeah. Um, she's got a couple of winners recently. She's obviously got, um, he, he's got it to, to do to a degree to turn the, turn the tables with Rajinsky and Hockfeld there. Um, but I thought he was he was doing his best work later on. The slight concern with him is, is the drop back and trip. He, he stays two miles well, um, but he keeps running well. He's a he's dropped a pound in the waist. Doesn't sound a huge amount, but it, essentially he's, he's just been in the grip of the handicapper this season, uh, off marks of, of around a hundred, and he's dropped in ninety eight now. As I said, he's not he's not meeting um, well well handicapped horses as he did with the winner at York last time out, um, and I can see him running a. Um, uh, running a decent race here as long as long as there's a decent gallop because as I said he's um he's been running at two miles um for the last uh, for the last while and he does say that trip well so dropping back to an extended I say an extended one mile six it's extended by a massive yard um so unless they move the rails a little bit um the trip's slightly on the short side from which is why I was hoping for a big price. But the one thing you will always get with Adam Brave is that he runs his race almost all the time. Um and as I said, with with nothing that um, that appears to be ahead of its mark, I don't think he needs. Uh, I don't think he needs to to run um, much above what he's been doing for his last three or four starts um, to get in the mix here. So at a double figure price, I think he's interesting. Um, Rhythmic Intense, another one who ran well at uh, York last time out. Um, he's the he's essentially the other way around. He's he pro- he's probably a mile and a half horse, really, with him intended. He does just about stay this trip. Um, and um, he's interesting enough. Um, Indianapolis isn't running badly. Um, he's just frustrating and hard to catch right. Mm. Um, I think he's, he's the kind of horse who could easily hit the frame, but he's, he's proven pretty hard to win with. Rajinsky, as I said, was, was ahead of um, uh, was ahead of Island Brave at York last time out. Um, although he is going all the way in the handicap, he, he's um, he's gone up two pounds for finishing second that day, so he's he's um, he's three pounds worse off um, with Island Brave, and I think Island Brave can potentially turn the tables on him. Uh, and the other one, I suppose, is worth looking at. Um, the one improver in the field is Noble Masquerade, um, who's uh, um, won two of his last four and has been second in the other two. He's not gone up much in the in the weights. Um, and uh, he took a he seemed to take a fair step forward when winning at Windsor last time out by four lengths, and he did that. Windsor form can be a little bit misleading, but he did that at a good time. Um, so a six pound rise for that looks fair. I just thought Noble Masquerade was liable to be pretty short. Sure. I thought he'd be favourite for the race. Um, he's sitting second favourite at the moment at five to one. I'd make him favourite ahead of Global Storm, but again, I'm always looking for something at a, at a bigger price. So if he ended up being a bigger price than that Noble Masquerade, he'd, he'd be on my, he'd be very much on my short list. Um, but as I said, um, I think, I think Island Brave will, will drift a little bit from his current price. Yeah, you, you'd like to um, think so. You'd like to think so. Noble yeah, Masquerade may be a little profile, but I'm saying 12-1 is a fair price. It doesn't get me incredibly excited, but it's a fair price. and It's certainly one, uh, one to, to consider. Yeah, I can see a few of the wise guys putting up Noble Masquerade on the on the day, so he may not shorten, but Alan Brave should. As long as the final Furlong Podcast army hold the line. Hold. Hold my tough. Now take action. 
Saturday morning, that is. We're talking Group 1s with Roy Delargy next as we look ahead to the Sprint Cup at Haydock and the Prix de Moulin in Paris Longchamp. First of all, Tilt Plus provides the biggest and best pool betting payouts available to racing fans as Tilt are on a mission to provide bettors with extra gravy and the best value possible. And Tilt Plus does just that as you are getting better value than ever before as you can take advantage of some of the brilliant payouts that you get at the biggest meetings of the year, but also each and every single day racing. Because Tote Plus is available in the UK and Ireland each day. Let's just say if you land the play spot, you're getting a 10% bump in your winnings. If you have a win bet, place bet, exacta, trifecta, if you do the scoop six, 10% on top of your winnings courtesy of Tote. This is exclusive to tote.co.uk, tote.ie, or the official Tote app. Plenty of the final Furlan Podcast army are already taking advantage of this. You need to take advantage of it too. Tote.co.uk, tote.ie, or the official Tote app, and get your gravy with Tote Plus. That brings us to the feature race, where Starman is even money favorite for the Betfair Sprint Cup. Creative Force, Royal Ascot winner, all-round bit of a legend, really. Fives, Art Power is 17-2, to two. best price, that is, I should stress, because not many others are going that price. Uh, Glenn Shield is nines, Supremacy, 14s, with uh, our old friend, who did us a massive favor, Emradiana, 25s, and Summerhand, who we should give a mention to, as a 16-1 to one winner for the podcast last week, um, 33s. So, Theo McKenzie and myself were high-fiving virtually afterwards. Uh, right, Rory, your thoughts on the Bedford Sprint Cup? Uh, they're very dull, I'm afraid. I think, I think the favourite's a good thing. The good to firm ground. I mean, just, just, yeah, just, but listen, the, the ground's going to be... The question about this um, going into it was, oh, the ground's always soft for the Sprint Cup. I'm not sure it's the ideal race for Starman. We're going to have probably the nicest weekend of the year. This weekend, <laughs> from what I can gather, <laughs> yeah. um, and the the ground's going to be the ground looks like it's going to be rattling fast at both Haydock and, and Ascot unless they unless they turn the taps on. I'm not sure. I think Kirkland's the type to turn the taps on. Do you? Um, nope. So I think Starman has got a massive chance. He was he was a tiny bit disappointing uh, in the uh, Maurice de Guest uh, last time out. Um, that was on. It started raining for the race. Um, there were varying glowing descriptions that day from very soft to good. Um, it was probably just on the soft side of good, but that's probably soft enough for him. I think he wants it rattling fast and he should get it rattling fast on Saturday. Um, and I think he looked a different horse. He was hugely impressive um, in the, the July Cup. Um, he didn't. He didn't really look likely to get there with a couple of furlongs to run, but he was incredibly strong at the finish, in a in a very strong race and form that's worked out very well as you expect at the July Cup. Yeah. Uh, there's no sense of him being flattered by by how that race panned out at all. Um, he, my one worry with him in a race like this would be in a big field he might run into traffic, but it's not a particularly big field, and I think he's. Um, I suspect he's quite nicely drawn on the wing there. Um, there shouldn't really be much of a draw bias, um, but it's certainly no hardship to be to be um, drawn wider out. 
Um, the pace will be out in the middle, I would have thought, with um, Glenn Shield and, and Nando Parado. Um, and Starman should get um, he should get a lovely run through. Um, he likes to be held up, but you know, inside him, Happy Romance tends to come further back. Creative Force um, is a hold up performer. Um, uh, Summer Hand's not quite good enough with it. He was a huge price last week, wasn't he? At 16. Oh, yeah. He drifted, drifted I, all I, the way I, to I, no idea. I, 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 um, I put him up in the fields as uh, expecting him to be a sort of seven or eight to one chance. Uh, I, I don't know why he drifted. I was, you know, really, fill up at 20s and bigger on the machine um, beforehand. And given that he'd beaten um, the King Stand winner earlier in the season at Newmarket, um, that was uh, remarkable value, but he's not really a group one horse. Mm. Um, and I don't think he'll be, I, you know, the race has really run to suit him in Newmarket. Um, this is, this will probably be run to suit him to a degree, but I, he's not quite, you know, he's a seven year old now. Um, he's a very good horse, but essentially he's a, you know, he, he was no match for, for, um, uh, for Starman in the, in the Duke of York early in the season. Um, when he was race fit, he was coming off his, his career best effort. Um, and he was beaten, what, four and a half lengths by Starman that day. Yeah. Um, no, no reason why he should be getting much closer this time around. Um, and although it's a dull thing to say, and I'll, I tend to look for value, I'm really struggling here because horses I like, I was very keen on Emiratiana um, at, at York because I think he's a better horse at five corners than he is at six. But here he is back at six again. And I think, yeah. although I think he'd run well, I think, you know, what, what edge you had. Uh, with them at a big price at um, at York, um, has kind of evaporated here, especially back up the trip. Arch Pumar, I, I, again, I really like, but I think he probably wants a stiff five. He's better than the result, obviously, in King George last time out. Um, given what a what a um, what a mess that was, he ran very well on the wrong side of the track at Newmarket, which like that. Um, and he would be my idea of a danger, but I don't I don't think he wants it very fast either. You know, he's he's very effective on soft ground art par. Um and um I, I think if it got very fast, that might be against him. Um although we, again he has looked a better horse just being allowed to roll along. So I wouldn't I wouldn't rule him out of it. And of course he's he's got um uh whether it's a ben- whether it's a benefit or it goes against him, he's got pace alongside him uh, as well. So um you know, I've got to mention him because he's 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 a horse I've always had on side. I think again, I think he'll do even better next year. I think he's um, I, you know, I assume he's going to grow a little bit, um, and I think he might just be at his very best next season. Um, but I'm a, as I said, a little little concerned about um, about the ground for him. Uh, similar story for Glenn Shield, who just hasn't been at his best this year, um, to be honest. Um, uh, you know, the more I look at it, the harder it is to, to find one against Starman. What about uh, either what the, about, the six and a half furlongs or the softish grind to find a match at Deauville. But dropping back and trip on a fast grind, he should be a much better horse. What about happy romance for the exactor? Like beating Diligent well, Harry and the, Tabdeed last time out. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure I'm not sure there's a there's a great angle for the exactor, to be perfectly honest with you. Um but she keeps surprising. Um, you know, you think she's run She's run to her best, and she's reached her um, she's reached her level, uh, and then she pulls out a little bit more. She was um, she was well positioned when she won at Newbury last time, mm. and that's and that's seven weeks ago. Feral break since then, and she um, she struggled in Group One company, which she's tried before that. So, um, an improving filly this time of year, 
you want to keep them on side generally. But she was she was so good as a two year old. I think the issue with her this season is no one really expected her to improve much from two to three, um, and she has to win a to win a, a list of race and a group three. Um, so she's at least as good as ever. I do think she's slightly flattered by the win last time out. Um, it's one of those races where, uh, despite the small field, he ended up splitting into a couple of groups. Um, and she's just been, she's come from the back of the field, but I think she was very well suited by the way that race panned out. Not to call her lucky, um, but I don't think there's any obvious reason why she's going to um, win a group one race in the back of that. It'll be a great result because, you know, she's, um, uh, she's owned by uh, the McMurray family who have never, never had a horse before. Uh, she was the first they got, and she's won absolute fortunes for them. And every time she runs and wins, it's a it's a new fairy story. So that's the kind of story you want on a day like this. But you got to bet with your heart, not your no. You got to bet with your head, not your heart. It was going to say, "What's happened Remember to Rory?" That? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so I'm like I can't really be with her for for all you know. I'm, I'd be very happy to see her, her run a massive race. Final selection, Starman. Starman, I'm afraid. Yeah. All right. Short but hard to beat. Fair enough. Uh, the Prix de Moulin at uh, Paris Longchamp. So we are, technically speaking, still awaiting the final field for this, but it pr- pretty much should be as is, uh, you would like to think. Um, the green light's been given to Snow Lantern, so she's going to go. Uh, Baid was given the green light during the week. And uh, we already know that Poetic Flair is taking this engagement in instead of going to, as you rightly said, uh, go to the Irish Champions Weekend where he'd have to run in a group two, which just doesn't make much sense. So keep him going by running in this race, which to me, Rory, looks a very, very winnable race for him. Yeah, I have to say I'm a, I'm a big, big fan of Bayes. Um. And this is one of those, it's going to split audiences. Bay is going to be favourite for it. My normal logic is stick with a horse with, with um, group one form and group one races. Um, and Bay he's too short for me to buy. Um, but I do think he is the real deal. Um, you know, given that his career didn't, hadn't even started in May, um, you know, he's, he's uh, rattled off four wins. He's been enormously impressive each time. Um, I don't even think he had ideal conditions. A good boot on his latest start. No, uh, the one thing that the one slight question is is whether he would handle really soft ground, but he handled it. Um, that's tacky good soft ground at Goodwood, um, which a lot of jockeys felt was riding softer than, than the official. Um, and he was he was very impressive there. Bottom line is that was the group three, and it's the big step up to a group one. Um, so that's um, that's a question mark for him. And obviously, Poetic there has better form and book. Um, you know, you, you keep running and winning in, in group ones or at the very least um, finishing seconds uh, and you deserve maximum respect. And you look at the betting for this, and, well, Baez is a shade of odds on and Poetic Fair, something like three to one, isn't he? Yeah, it's... Um, um, I, I suppose I suppose the logical bet there is to back Poetic Fair um, because you know, we tend to, we tend to want to crown our champions based on, you know, what we expect them to do in the future rather than judging them on what they've done in the past and, and expect them to repeat it. Um, so there's no doubt that the market um, is skewed in, in favour of Baid at this stage. So if you have to get involved by Poetic Flair, but as I said, I, I, I'll i be sitting at Ida, I won't be betting on the race, uh, and I'll be hoping for a, a huge performance from Baid because I think he's really good. 
Um, but at the same time, we've seen horses, including from this yard and in in uh, in these colours this season, who've looked absolute superstars at Group Three level, and then haven't gone on to to um, uh, to win when stepped up to Group One Cup. True. Um, so so that's you know it's always a question you know uh, winning easily against lesser horses is um, is obviously easier to do um, than than it is um, having to pull it out against the very best. So you know on ratings you'll often get the horses who's won at a lesser level coming out top on ratings because you've got to give them extra credit for for the, the ease or the margin of victory. Um, but that can be misleading at times. And historically, if you keep backing horses who win narrowly at group one level over horses who bolt up in group two or group three wrists, um, then you'll, you'll do better backing the, the proven group one horses. Um, so that's that's the logical way of approaching this race. As I said, I'm, I'm just having, I just have one of those people who thinks that Baid is, is liable to be very good, but I certainly wouldn't back him to prove it at that price. Um, you know, if you've been watching racing all your life, sometimes you just want to see a superstar. You don't need to back them to, to prove that. You know, I I like backing bad horses at 25 to 1, not superstars at 4 to 7. Um, because you should get enough enjoyment out of watching a, a great horse win a race. Um, and uh, there's not an awful lot of value in just backing shorties in, yeah. uh, in group races. You shouldn't, you shouldn't lose an awful lot of money if you're backing four horses in group races. Um, but similarly, you're, you're, um, you're going to be making a, a very small profit if you make a profit at all. And, um, it is possible to watch a top-class race without a bet and actually enjoy it for what it is. Exactly. And with the same firm, you've Bayed at 8-11, to 11, Puddick Flair 3s, Snow Lantern 13-2, Order of Australia 10s. Like- yeah, we don't even mention Snow Lantern. Um, and of course, you know, she's... Um, we saw Alcohol 3 um, upset uh, Poetic Flair and Snow Lantern is, is closely matched with her and she's been she's been improving all season. Um, so I wouldn't... Um, I wouldn't entirely rule her out, um, you know, given given her rate of progress, given how uh, she wasn't experienced enough to be going for a, a guineas um, early in the season. So, you know, it's perfectly possible that, she, that she's the time to keep improving through the autumn. So she's not out of it at all. Mm. Um, but it's, it's going to be a race to save her. It should be a very, very good contest. Yeah, should be a great contest. Uh, I think Buddick Flair wins, quite frankly. Um, who is the recommendation of the essential horse to include for the weekend, Rory? Uh, it's it's one of those weekends where they're they're I'm not sure there isn't there is a, a real essential. I think um, top secret is probably although I'm not getting the price. I thought I was getting it right. Uh, I think sort of eight or nine to one about him is a very reasonable price in the uh, in the big seven foot on handicap and ask it. But it's a slightly disappointing weekend in terms of trying to to dig out um, horses at prices. Um, you know, given given what a what a uh, a good weekend there should be, yeah. it just sits a bit flat, doesn't it? Yeah, there is certainly that to it without question. I was going to go for. Warhand, but no, I won't. I'll, I'll go for Poetic Flair. Um, although we could go for the patent. And there you go. You're sold! Patent is sold on those three horses. Uh, Roy Delarick, pleasure as always, my friend. We'll chat to you again next week. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you very much, Emmett. Uh, we care. can read your content in the Irish field, I should say, as well, by the way. Uh, and of course, supportinglife.com as well. But Roy, take care, and we will chat to you again very, very soon. 
thank you very much bye-bye and, and thank you for listening uh that is it we're back on monday have a great weekend take care god bless the final furlong podcast is proudly brought to you by tote think you can't get better value think again 10 percent bigger dividends when you bet direct with tote plus at tote.co.uk